Welcome to the Garden Culture Podcast, hosted by me, Bailey Van Tassel. I'm a self-taught gardener, busy wife and mother, and small business owner on a mission to live a garden-inspired life. Each month, we will explore what's going on in the garden and fields, as well as get to know incredible people who infuse their own lives with the magic of the garden. For more information on any techniques, recipes, or ideas mentioned here, please visit us at baileyvantassel.com slash podcast. You guys, I'm so excited to have this conversation. So my friend Zach Kiefer is on the podcast talking all about <laughs> this wild journey of getting to know about the difference between cleaning and disinfecting. And why does this apply to us in the gardening space? Well, it all comes back to the perception of good versus bad bacteria, a lot like how we perceive good versus bad pests, like our soil and why it's so good to be exposed to the soil and why it's so important for us to respect pollinators. It's all wrapped up and so similar and along the same lines of why we garden in our backyards. It's all very similar to why and how we clean And Zach actually works for a company called eCloth. You guys know I've been talking about them because I'm just shaken up about how simple they are. This is such an interesting conversation and I'm so excited for you guys to hear Zach's journey. He goes from being this competitive soccer player to becoming a triathlete to going on this personal journey of discovering health, his microbiome, and then leading him into this beautiful business. So I'm very excited for you guys to hear this chat, and I cannot wait to hear what you think. Hello, Zach. How are you? Hi, Bailey. I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today because, spoiler alert, we had a pre-conversation like you do, and I got to learn so many interesting things about you and what you do. And I've actually been chatting with my husband about it nonstop because I'm on this whole kick. Um, and so I'm just really excited to sort of share with the world your message and and what you're all about. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm I'm really excited to be here and uh, share the message and uh, talk a little bit about uh, not just myself, but uh, kind of this mission that we're on. Yes. Okay. So I first got to know you and obviously I'm like actually legitimately obsessed with your business, which is eCloth. And I became so curious about like, how does this actually work? and all the ins and outs of it, and then got to know you as a person. And I'm just like so excited. So the thing I feel like is so fun is getting an understanding of where you came from and your incredible background um, as an athlete. So I would love for you to share with everybody first how you define what you do in that context and then jump us into how it all started. Yeah, what we do is really trying to redefine what it means to clean within the space of our homes, our lives, um, and really what is um, a way to help within a, a healthier lifestyle. Um, so eCloth is really on this this mission to help educate and help understand what does it really mean to clean in this world. I think that there's been a lot of misconceptions and a lot of um, areas that being fully transparent that that I really didn't know until I started with eCloth. Um, so kind of going to, to your other question on kind of, you know, my background and 
and where I started on this journey. You know, for me, I was I was born and raised out in in Seattle, Washington. Um, I'm now out in Boston with eCloth, but really was born and raised around being active, being outside, and really having a healthy lifestyle. Um, whether that was eating at home, whether that was being outside, running around, and really continued that journey through college. I played soccer uh, in college, played intramural sports all over the place, and as I got through college. It's really one of those defining moments where you walk across the stage, you you grab your diploma and you you look around and say, oh gosh, what's next? Like life just got mm-hmm. real. Um, <laughs> and for me, what that turned into was really trying to figure out where do I go in life with the side of competition for me? I was a soccer player. I was really uh, competitive within soccer growing up. And I needed that that itch, that edge um, to take off on the the competitive side. And, and I ended up falling into the sport of triathlon shortly after I got out of college and started on this journey of not really knowing what triathlon was, didn't really know how to be successful um, in that individual sport. I was born and raised around team sports, not track and field or swimming or any of those individual sports. Um, and so it was really an opportunity for me to to look inwardly and go on this journey to find success in something that that I didn't really know about. So I started triathlon in 2009, uh, so 15 years on and still very active in the, the triathlon world. Um, and it really started with, with a bet with a friend to say that I could, could finish an Ironman, a full Ironman in under 10 hours. I mean, um, like all good the, things begin with a bet. Am I, I mean, am I right about that or what? <laughs> I think so. I mean, I, I think that it, uh, I think it's one of those, you, you're young, you're just out of college and you kind of aren't the wiser. Wait, what's an average Ironman finish time? How crazy is that claim for someone that well, doesn't so, fully know? So this is the this is where it kind of got interesting for me. Is I, I just said being a athlete all my life, I said I can do anything in under ten hours. Good. I didn't realize at the time that under ten hours for an Ironman was nearly a professional triathlete. <laughs> so I love I this a for you. Bit in over my head uh, on on this uh, idea of doing under 10 hours. So the way Ironman works is you have 17 hours to finish the race. Oh, wow. So from the time you start, you have 17 hours. So most of the races start at 7 a.m. and you have to finish by midnight. Mm, oh my gosh. Okay. So it's an all day event, swim, bike, run. And so... That was 2009, I made this bet, and then started my first Ironman in 2010, which was the bet was around my 2010 race, and I finished in 11 hours and 15 minutes. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. So it got a little bit crazier as I went on my journey. So I said, okay, I really want to break 10 hours, but then I learned about the world championship in Hawaii, and I really wanted to race at the world championship. So I went all in in 2010. I got a coach. I was like, all right, we're going to do everything we can to go to the world championships. So keep in mind, I made this bet to break 10 hours. So well, in I mean, did this bet like just change your life? Like, were you even anticipating any of this? Because I kind of feel like it was a domino effect. Well, I, so we'll backtrack to 2008. So I made the bet in 2009. In 2008, my mom for her 50th birthday wanted to finish a triathlon on her 50th birthday in July. So oh, mom, I love this. Yes. So 2008, my younger brother and I went to watch my mom on her 50th birthday complete a triathlon. 
And I still to this day remember sitting, watching the race and turning to my brother and saying, this is crazy. You will never catch me dead doing this. Oh my God, I was actually kind of thinking that myself. That's nuts. Yes. So this was in 2008. And then in 2009, I make this bet to say, I'm going to go do a full Ironman. My mom wasn't doing a full Ironman. She was doing a, a sprint distance triathlon, but she finished, which was amazing. And then sure enough, I signed up a year later to do a full Ironman, which is a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike and a 26.2 mile run. Oh my word. Were you calling your mom like, hey ma, so fill me in? <laughs> uh, yeah, so it definitely came up uh, once they found out I did sign up uh, of the fact that they thought I would never do something like that. So yeah, it was it, it kind of was this whole domino effect of thinking I would never do it in 2008 because I thought everyone there was crazy at the race with my mom to mm. making my bet. And then by the end of 2010, just saying, I'm all in on this. I want to be better. I want to be able to beat the competition because I have that competitive side from soccer growing up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so by the time I got to to the end of 2010, it was more of, this is a lifestyle choice. It's mm. not necessarily something, there's a lot of um, folks out there that they get done with an Ironman triathlon. And it's, it is seriously one of the most impressive accomplishments to be able to mm. just get across the finish line. And no so doubt. I tell a lot of people, if you're going to do an Ironman, just be ready to be addicted because it's a lifestyle. Like once you do one, it's really hard to be like, oh yeah, I'm not going to do that again. And sure well, how, what, me, if, what about it is so indict- addicting? Is it just like your, is it like the confidence mixed with, I don't, I don't know that, sorry, you tell me. Yeah, I think it's more of the, the feeling that your body has. It is a tremendous amount of time spent swimming, biking, running, weightlifting, cross training. It does consume a lot of your life, but your body feels amazing Mm. because you're so active. You're moving so much that there's the endorphins and just that kind of good feeling. I'll say, you know, in times where I've, I haven't had a race or I have kind of taken a step back that if I don't work out for a week, if I don't work out for two weeks, my body just starts to feel off. And so I think when you are on this journey and you've, you've done it so consistently, because most people will train for a year or more than a year to do an Ironman, when you take a step back and you're like, oh, I'm finally done. And then you sit on a couch for two weeks, mm. your body just says, like, what are you doing? Like, we need to move. Mm-hmm. Like, let's get moving. I don't feel good. And so I think it it starts to become kind of this this just good feeling that you get within your body over a period of time when you're so consistent in that training. I'm curious too, like how many hours you logged Mm -hmm. outside. And so there's Mm -hmm. a girlfriend of mine who runs a podcast. She's written books about it called a thousand hours outside. And it's meant Mm -hmm. for parents and you know, their, your children should have a thousand hours a year outside in nature. And, and the average kid these days has like, you know, 30 minutes outside and the rest of their time's inside on devices. And that's a whole nother story. But I'm curious for you, if that's a part of the element as well, similar to like why I'm so preachy about gardening and nature and dirt and getting outside is like, we need that. But I'm curious if that plays a part into it as well, because those three, I mean, I know you can train on a bike indoors and run as well, but, and swim, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, oh, now that I think about it. Living in Seattle and living in 
Boston, it is one that there is a lot of time spent indoors training. But okay. um, I do agree that the the ability to breathe fresh air and just be away from all of the screen time, all of the kind of impulsive items that we kind of get into in our daily lives, the to get away from work, work can be a real strain and a real stress on the mind. And just to be able to really let that all go and be in nature for me is a place of peace, whether that be on my bike in nature, whether that's on a trail run, open water swimming to go jump in a lake and just go swim. It's very freeing relative to our daily lifestyle um, that we typically get tied into. For sure. And I mean, I was just listening to something and I've heard this a million times, but it's like sitting is the new smoking. So that sedentary lifestyle, you know, is as damaging to us as smoking cigarettes. And now you've inserted something that's so healthy that requires you to get up and show up and move your body every day. Um, yeah. And for, for me, it's, you know, it's having something on the schedule. Cause I had, I've had stretches where I, I don't sign up for a race mm-hmm. and I find my, my motivation, it definitely wanes as I don't have something out there. So I'm always looking forward yeah. six months, nine months, 12 months on what am I doing? And, and what am I really what do I want to do outside of my professional career to keep myself yeah. motivated? Um, and so it's typically a, a race. And as you said, the sedentary lifestyle, when it comes to my world of in the triathlon world, there's a lot of talk about even just the physical body and in how we, with sitting all day, just structurally what that does to us if we do want to put movement into our life. Mm-hmm with your glutes, with the activation and ability to run without injury. When we see it in, in the mm. world of triathlon and the world of running, there's a lot of injury and injury prevention that needs to happen to be able to sustain. I've raced for 15 years and knock on wood, no injuries so far. But that really comes down to, are you treating your body right? Are you up and moving and stretching and activating your glutes and, and keeping your body um, fresh and lean rather than um, in that sedentary lifestyle of sitting. So I would agree on um, it's the new smoking. And I think there are a lot of uh, studies out there that are coming out to to help support that. Yeah. Okay. So you get into doing the triathlon, you make this crazy claim, you want to go to the world yep. series or world, I'm probably butchering at the, this big world event. And then, so how did that go before I, before I ask you your next question? So the world championship is in Kona, Hawaii. And I raced and had my best race and I finished in 10 hours, one minute and like 28 seconds. Shut up. That's insane. I I missed my goal of trying to break 10 hours by (laughs) just over a minute. And it was um, an amazing race, an amazing experience, but it was, it's still in the back of my head today. I'm racing next year to try to break that, uh, break that 10 hour mark next year, but uh, it still sits in my head of, I need to to break that 10 hour mark at some point. For sure. I mean, that would be so slightly maddening. I feel like to just be like for real a minute and a half, you know, it, it uh, I was at mile 18 and I looked at my watch and I said, this is going to be close and I don't think I can get there. And sure enough, mm. ended up just short. So but next oh year, 2024 is the year. This is your year. I can feel it. Um, okay. So you have, obviously you're living a healthy lifestyle, but something that we've talked about is you developing an interest in the microbiome and gut health. 
And mm-hmm. I know you that had shared with me that you saw a documentary that was really impactful, Forks Over Knives, which I also saw, I believe, post-college. I think we're kind of in a similar age group. Um, and I'm curious, so when did that kick in for you and how did that change your lifestyle even more than you had already changed it? Because you're already having to live fairly healthy to perform at this level. Yeah. A, a lot of people always ask me about triathlon and say, you know, what do you do for nutrition? And mm-hmm. historically, I'd always said, I kind of eat whatever's around me because you're always trying to take in calories because you're training so much. Um, and as you said, Forks Over Knives documentary, it was uh, 2016, I believe, um, in late June that I watched that documentary. And and for me, it, it was a moment for me that, you know, there's a lot of science out there. There's a lot of studies and for me, what was at least within that documentary just made me question the plant-based lifestyle. And um, there were just enough compelling points for me to say, you know what, I need to try this. I need to to see what that lifestyle is all about. And um, so in July of that year, I just went cold turkey and said, you know what, I'm going plant-based. It was before July 4th. A lot of people thought I was crazy because they're like, how are you not going to eat a cheeseburger? And how are you not going to eat a hot dog? (laughs) How are you not going to, you know, have potato salad and all this other stuff? And I found it, surprisingly, I found it actually quite easy to make the transition. Um, It was one, like cheese was one of those things. I'm like, am I really going to be able to not eat cheese? Big time. That's going to, that's going to be tough. Um, But when you, when I put my mind to it, at least it was it was a lot easier to say, what value did it really add to my meals or whatever I was eating? Is it the taste? Is it like, what is it really that's it's doing for me? So I just, I was able, fortunately enough to, to make that change very quickly. And really where it led me within the, the triathlon space is my body felt better than it ever had in my life. Um, <laughs> and when I say that, for a triathlete, a lot of what we're focusing on is our recovery time, mm-hmm. our ability to do a hard workout, recover from that workout, and then wake up the next day and repeat. And for me, when I was on this journey of of being plant-based, my ability to work out hard and recover was phenomenal relative to what it was before I was plant-based. Interesting. Do you feel like your gut health was better when you were plant-based? Because you no longer are that strict about it. Am I right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I've, I will talk a little bit about that here in a second. Again, did I do any scientific study or test to be able to say, yes, scientifically, my gut health was better? I didn't do anything like that. Yeah, but yeah of course. I think, I think that there's a lot of, of just that gut feel, um, as a lot of us would say, on... Mm-hmm were again that ability to recover just that freshness you wake up with an energy level that's different mm-hmm. i would say absolutely there was something internally within my body that was different than when i wasn't plant-based yeah so could i scientifically tell you exactly what it was no but when i first when i first started plant-based as a very active triathlete you're fairly slender and I dropped over 10 pounds within 45 days Whoa. of being plant-based. I didn't have a ton of weight to lose. Yeah. But there was still more gains for me to, you know, in triathlon world, you're looking at power to weight ratio and you're looking at your run times and body weight can impact run times significantly. So it was just this 
this interesting change within the first 45 days that I really noticed taking on this new lifestyle. Okay. So I want to fast forward just a little bit because what it reminds me of is removing yourself from a system. And I've become really passionate about evaluating the systems that I'm taking part in and viewing everything uh, as a system. And so in this regard, you know, being plant-based and then moving a little bit into your career at eCloth and sort of the mission that you're on with that being a bit of the vehicle. I want to talk a little bit about that and your perspective on that, because I think it's just so common, like the everyday sort of like, let's just say me, I'm like a suburban wife and mom, and I'm trying to evaluate what changes I need to make for my health and my family's health. And it can feel really daunting to remove myself from a full system, change my diet, change my habits, change the way I clean, whatever. Um, So I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about what that journey has been like as you've gone into really understanding the cleaning space. Yeah, it's a it's a great question. So I've been with eCloth for a little over two years. And before I I joined the company, I was in a very similar place to you. I was a suburban Seattle guy that um, didn't really have any knowledge on or didn't think enough about my habits in cleaning specifically as it relates to e-cloth. You just kind of develop your cycle based on maybe your past family life, what your mom was doing, what your grandma was doing, the way they cleaned. And then really in mass marketing in America, um, again, these companies are very effective and very good at their jobs. And so their ability to define for us what we think of for food or what we think of for cleaning or what we think of for fitness. Um, again, there's there's a lot of ecosystems around us to, mm. to develop what we think of as as true or as the right way, let's say. Um, and so when it comes to cleaning, as I was starting my journey with eCloth, when I first joined the company, this concept of cleaning with just water for me was really foreign. When I interviewed with the company, I didn't know what microfiber was. I didn't know the power that it held within the cleaning space. (laughs) When I tried the product for the first time, it was a mind-blowing experience. And that was just cleaning my windows. That wasn't, you know, the journey of some of the other uh, areas of cleaning around the home. And so for me, the start of the journey was really just how can water work that well to clean something? It was just, it's great. Like that's never talked about that. Like, wait, water, water and microfiber can clean? Like, this is crazy. Like, this I know, is okay. nuts. Well, this is why my mind was blown too, because it's just, and then, but then I'm like, why am I surprised? Like, it doesn't need to be complicated. It's, it is that yeah. simple. It really is that simple. And yep. similar to what you said, and I wrote it down and it kind of gave me a light bulb moment or maybe reinforced a belief I already have, which is mass marketing in America and their definition are dictating our behaviors. And we don't even know it. We can't even feel it. It's so ingrained in us. It starts at such a young age. And then, like you said, we're kind of just doing what our family of origin taught us to do. Um, But it is so incredible because I was doing research when I first, you know, discovered e-cloth and I went online because I was kind of like, how does this work? And because it really is that easy. And I mean, I have 
three kids, ages six and under, a really busy lifestyle. I cook three meals a day at least. I'm bringing in dirt and stuff from the garden constantly. So my countertops get cleaned or like sprayed and scrubbed down multiple times a day. At least they used to. And then now we just have our little, I love the squishy square guy that you guys have. And you just add the water and you wipe it all down and it's so clean and gorgeous and perfect. I'm, and I'm, we're on marble. Um, I don't know. I just, um, I don't even know if that's a question. I'm just so surprised by all of that. So what I love to see as well is you're a healthy guy. You're living a super healthy lifestyle. You're like the success of your hobby, your passion depends on you being health forward. And now you like, you get this kind of shake up because you're like, oh, there's an element of my life that maybe wasn't what I thought it was. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, right on point in regards to there's opportunities maybe that all of us don't realize that they're the opportunities for change in areas that, again, just subconsciously we're doing something and not thinking about it. Um, again, for me, the the cleaning space was I got my Clorox wipes. I had my paper towels. I had my, um, you know, other products around my home and I just used them intuitively because I would go to the big box retailers and buy my massive pack of paper towels, disinfecting wipes, whatever they had that, that you're supposed to buy to, to clean your home. And, you know, as, as I've been on this journey with e-cloth, you know, one of the, the biggest aha moments for myself is this concept of cleaning. And I mentioned at the start of the conversation that, you know, the journey that we're on as a business and I'm on myself is trying to, to redefine what it means to clean. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, it's really looking truly at the definition of what we're trying to accomplish in our homes. And what I found out over the time of, of doing a lot of digging and a lot of research is if you just just look at the definition of cleaning, what it means to clean, it's to remove things from a surface defined by our government agencies. The concept of disinfecting is to kill things on a surface, definitionally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of misconception is out there because when you see a commercial, when you hear of friends and family and others and how they're cleaning, I think that we've kind of blended this this messaging on cleaning and disinfecting being one in the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think that totally. that's where that's kind of where my journey started when I kind of had this light bulb moment of like, oh my gosh, there's a difference. And then you start to kind of go down that rabbit hole on, okay, now let's really start to dig in and and look at these different avenues. And so um, that was really the kind of the first light bulb moment on the true kind of cleaning, disinfecting, and kind of what that meant for, for lifestyles. Yeah. Well, and I do want to dig into that a little bit because it, it, it's so similar to this idea when it comes to our food in America and sourcing food that is clean and good for your body, why gardening is so fantastic because it's, it's removing yourself from a system, it's creating control. And then you are understanding, like people normally hit this point in like their gardening journey where they realize how important pollinators are. So like bees, for example. And you realize you don't want to use anything that's going to interfere with the bee because we need them. Like, desperately for the population literally to continue and any product that's going to kill a 
less important bug, like an aphid, could also potentially kill a good bug, like a bee. Similar to the soil, like anytime you're going to get something toxic in the soil, it's going to kill off all the good bacteria, all the good vitamins and minerals are going to become not good. (laughs) I'm trying to watch my words, but, um, and I think it's the same thing like you're saying where it's cleaning versus disinfecting. Like we actually don't want to kill good bacteria and yet we're being made to think that we need to do that. Yeah, I I think it's, I think I put a little bit of a twist on it from, at least from a cleaning space. I think, you know, hearing you talk about the gardening space and when I was on, you know, kind of that plant-based journey, it was definitely an area that I was interested in on trying to understand the soil. I I never got Mm. to a place where I I felt confident on, but understanding soil and what it is in kind of bigger farms versus if I garden myself in my front yard and what that composition of my vegetables and fruits would be relative to what's on the supermarket floor. And I think in, in cleaning, you know, the the concern I have, at least for myself and and now having a little bit more of a an open eyed view of of everything, is this concept of good bacteria and the fact that I just I don't think it's talked about enough. I think that there's more research coming out about gut biomes and what are good bacteria. But again, I, I talked about mass marketing in America. They're really good. They they play on that that fear on bad bacteria. <laughs> and so I think that it's more of how do we have a holistic conversation about impacts and what to your point what is good and what is bad and i think as you mentioned in the gardening space and in the soil space i don't know what those i'd be interested what those conversations are that are happening but i think that it would be very similar to that cleaning space where you know from my perspective on the cleaning side it is that are we going to have the conversation are we willing to have that conversation on what is good and are we destroying that good bacteria for the sake of whatever that risk profile is on the bad bacteria. Yeah. Well, you know what it also makes me think of, and this is going to totally, maybe this is taking too high of a view, but I have to say, because I'm thinking it, which is in all walks of life, I'm going through this with, as like a mom raising kids and you realize the goal is not to get rid of bad feeling. The goal is not to get rid of like, or or to squash all of that out. You know, like you want to avoid as much you know, bad situations as possible. You want to avoid germs and contracting a virus. Like you want to avoid that if you can, but you also want to be strong enough to withstand it because you mm-hmm. will encounter it. You're going to encounter a hard time at school. You're going to have feelings that are challenging. You're going to get exposed to a cold or the flu. I think the goal then becomes, how do I create a really strong immune system? How do I create a really strong body? How do I create really strong mental health so I can withstand the storms and inevitabilities of life because we are human. Mm. It's a part of the experience. And how do we ride all that out with grace? And so the reason I think that applies, and I know maybe it sounds silly, but to cleaning is I would love to hear you talk about the way like e-cloth and water and the microfiber works, because like you said, it's really about removing you know, some of the, on I would like to say maybe unwanted things and then leaving the good stuff and how effective that really is. Yeah. It, it is always kind of a, 
a tough um, concept for eCloth to be able to convey um, quickly to our consumers. Um, but the technology behind us, if you look at a lot of our products, um, our claim and our ability to remove bacteria from surfaces with some of our key products is our claim and what we're trying to help people understand our technology around is that we remove the bacteria, we don't kill the bacteria. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. our mm -hmm. microfiber cloths, we use a, a breaking process that creates cavities within our microfiber cloths that act as a locking mechanism to the dirt, the grime, the bacteria that are on surfaces. So if you take our products that have this ability to remove bacteria and add water to it, that water acts as an attracting mechanism between the microfiber itself and the dirt, grime, and bacteria. So the, the dirt, grime, and bacteria and the microfiber have opposite charges. So scientifically, they attract. So the water acts as that attracting mechanism between the two. And then those cavities that I was talking about in the fibers, they lock in that dirt, grime, and bacteria into the microfiber and remove it from a surface. I'm just like, so. <laughs> I feel like such a nerd, but I'm like so shaken up about this because it's so simple and it's so awesome. And I just want everyone to know about it. I just think it's so like, okay, it's that easy. And, but I realize obviously educating the consumer and then changing their behavior is a whole different story. And I, and, and that's, that, that is what it is. Um, and that's why that, that, that's your job. And, and I'm over here hosting a podcast. Um, <laughs> but, but it is so fantastic. And so I guess I'm kind of curious too, from a science perspective, I don't want to put you in a bad spot, but like, why isn't this more widespread knowledge? So it is something that is running through my, my mind all the time is that same, that same thought. I mean, again, I would go back to when I, when I joined the company is part of why I joined was that exact question. Like, how is this not something I had ever heard about? How is this a technology that's not widely used? Um, and I think that there is a, a component that that education is really difficult and it's a really long journey. ECOP mm. has been around for over 20 years in the US, about 30 years in the UK. Um, and it's it's still a journey. And it's um, I go back to, to the really big businesses and corporations in the world. Um, and they're, they're really good at what they do. Um, yeah. Paper, paper towels, uh, disposable wipes, other um, liquid uh, chemical cleaners. Those are all areas that you go into any grocery store and mm -hmm. people are buying them all over the place. And so it's this, it's uh, the ability of, of kind of the David versus Goliath story, if you will. But it's, you know, it's how do we, how do we effectively communicate and bring on those ambassadors that they want to join that journey? I feel like it's, a lot of probably um, you, your listeners on the gardening side as well on it, it just like, it just makes sense. And you, you want to just go scream from the mountaintops. Yeah. Like, why isn't everybody doing this? Why don't you understand? And well, it's part of that. It's part of that journey that we're on right now. Like, how do we get up to the top of the mountaintop and how do we take other people with us and how do we all scream louder? Yeah. Well, and I think too, I mean, I just approach everything from this gardening lens because I feel like you've 
broken the seal in terms of awareness. And once you start gardening, I feel like it becomes a domino effect in terms of just the way you see the world starts to shift. And so it's really fun to bring to light like-minded people. And also I'm just a big proponent in localizing your resources. So even when it does come to like supplementing what you grow in the garden with like a local farm similar, and, and you and I have talked about this as well, you know, like sort of starting to disentangle yourself from a, the system a little bit and and just get educated and build confidence and um, take ownership of why you do what you do and how it's impacting you. So something else I, I share a lot about um, like on Instagram, things like that is uh, beauty products and clean beauty because your skin is your largest organ. So if you're worried about eating clean, that's like 50% of the equation when your skin is also absorbing toxins and chemicals all day, women especially. So you should be ultra, ultra aware of what's going on your skin. And I think when it comes to as well, like a, you know, a busy person, busy mom cleaning up after her kids all day, my hands are on top of sponges that are on top of these cleaning agents all day. And that is, you know, these are endocrine disruptors. These are things that are, you're, you can't see it. So I feel like it's, and it's such an inconvenient truth that we don't really want to pay attention to it because we have to make a change and that's hard for people. Um, but I think that is a part of what's really compelling about what you guys are doing is it's easy. It's an easy swap. It's an easy solution. You guys have Everything is made um, like with a task, right? So like all of your products, they kind of say like, okay, this is for the windows and this is for the countertops and you just add water and this is how you clean it. And it's kind of just, you take the thinking out of it and just make it a no brainer, which I think is yeah. so lovely. But I do think that sort of disentanglement from here's what you're supposed to do or, or letting letting the grocery store kind of tell you what's good and bad and what labels, I mean, reading labels is like a whole new situation. I can't even... <laughs> I can't even. I'm going to host an episode about it because it's just so ridiculous. <laughs> Whenever you host that episode, make sure I can yeah. uh, can join. I'll, I'll reveal some of the details here during this conversation. But um, labels are very important. Directions of use are, are very important. Um, I, I think kind of, you know, with where you're going with those comments is, you know, real, we're trying to find as, as eCloth small ways that we can help people start their journey. Um, it's really hard to go from zero to 60 immediately. Mm -hmm. And so we're trying to find ways to help and educate and, and start small. Um, there's lots of small ways in our daily lives. One of the things we rolled out recently was just looking at paper towels and disposable wipes, take everything off the, else off the table, just kind of go back over the last year and just think, how many paper towels have I used? Oh, yeah. How Costco. many disposable wipes have I used? How much money have I spent on all of that stuff that I feel like is an effective cleaning tool for my home, for my kids, for whatever reason you use those? And we put together a bundle to say, here you are consumer, here's an opportunity to take a, we kind of put together this bundle with about six or seven different e-cloth products that have different uses, different purposes to help with removing the use of paper towels and disposable wipes as much as possible within your daily life. It's not going to be a 
cold turkey, you're never going to use a paper towel again. You're never going to use a disposable wipe again. Mm-hmm. But there's ways to really lessen your use of some of those items within your daily routine. Um, Big time. And so it's, it is, you know, starting on that small journey and within that journey, build it. How do we build in that education component as well to help them ultimately start their own journey, similar to the journey I've been on? on, oh my gosh, when you start down this rabbit hole, it's big, it's dark, it's long, and there's a a lot of things you can start to look into. And where I really, you know, in this whole kind of initial journey for for our consumers, especially for disposable wipes, I really advocate people, as you just mentioned, just read the label. Just read the label of your disposable wipes. I know. Oh my gosh, it's so scary, especially like baby wipes. Oh, Okay, to piggyback on that, because this was very interesting to me. You guys have very specific labeling on your products for a very specific reason. And it really blew my mind because it helped me put the rest of the world into context. Because you kind of have to play the game a little bit for the awareness to be spread and for people to understand the power of your product. But it's a little, it's sort of some golden handcuffs because then you have to follow the rules that come along with the label. So share with us yeah, a little bit about that. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it goes a little bit back uh, in our conversation about this removal of the 99% of bacteria claim that eCloth uses on certain products that we have in our uh, task specific cleaning portfolio. That ability to claim that you remove 99% of bacteria from a surface under the EPA designates you as a pesticidal device because you are removing pesticides from a surface. I mean, that's so crazy to me. And by crazy, I mean ridiculous, but. (laughs) It it, is so it's, it's one of those that, again, there's, there's reasons for, you know, all of the different policies that are out there, you know, within our government agencies. And so it's one that we do fall within that pesticidal device category for the products that we claim remove 99% of bacteria. And so for us, mm-hmm. if you look at the packaging on those products, you will see an EPA designation number on there mm-hmm. that is, again, we have to register those products with the EPA, make sure that we follow their rules, their regulations on terminology to speak of additional chemical cleaners to talk to really avoid a lot of topics around um, certain things within the human body and um, so it it does um, it it creates a nuanced language that we try to use as a brand to help educate and be within the guardrails because of our product removing that bacteria from services. Yeah. Um, so if you look at a lot of like, again, when you talk about reading labels or looking at the packaging, there's a lot of products out there that you would have no idea that fall under certain regulations out there. Um, but if you start looking at those labels, you start looking at the packaging, it is really interesting just to see some of the nuanced areas that people have to um, to make sure that they comply with. Wow. That's just so fascinating. Um, okay, so tell me where everyone can find eCloth and how they can get loaded up on this magic 
magical disc. Yeah, it's so we have. Uh, I I don't think we talked too much about it, but we have a lot of different task specific cleaning products. I always say we have a product to clean everything other than your toilet. Mm, like there's okay. probably some some disinfecting, some killing that needs to go on there. So um, <laughs> I, I always describe it as if there's any cleaning need, we can clean everything with water and an e-cloth product mm. other than the toilet. So our range is very wide. It's very diverse. So the best place to find our complete range is on our website on ecloth.com. Awesome. And the other retailers that we're in, in uh, we're in a lot of local uh, boutique retailers around the U.S., as well as a lot of hardware stores around the, the U.S. Mm. Um, those that are in the Northeast, Wegmans uh, up in the Northeast, we're, we have a nice wide assortment there in Wegmans. Um, and then Amazon um, is also also a place where we have most all of our products there on, on Amazon as well. But uh, our website will give a lot of this conversation around the science, around the technology, around yeah. Um, the story behind kind of why we exist as a brand is all can be found on our website um, and is is a really interesting journey to to read through. I'm so grateful to have found you guys. So thank you. Um, okay, final question is your favorite book. Hmm. Favorite book. I would say as as I've been on on my my own personal journey over the the last three to four years. Um, the book that's really resonated with me a lot through COVID and everything else is called The Four Agreements. Oh, yeah. Um, so the book is um, really about just kind of the ways that you approach life, the ways that you conduct yourself um, around uh, not taking things personally, things of that sort. Um, but there's four different agreements that it, it talks about and really just um, I think during COVID, a lot of us found a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, a lot of pressures that kind of build up inside of us. And this book, when I'm under under pressure or am feeling anxiety, I can think back about these four agreements and bring myself to a place of calm. Um, and so it's really spoken to me on kind of my journey over the last number of years to, to really kind of level set and ground myself uh, on a daily basis. I love that. I have read the book. It's been years, so I need to reevaluate. But every once in a while, um, with certain friends and family members, it comes up because it's kind of that those it, principles for life, you know, um, like speak yes. with integrity and take nothing personal. And it's just so, so good. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining me today and telling your story. I'm so impressed by what you guys do. And I, it's been really fun to get to hear kind of like, sort of the evolution of it all in your personal journey too. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, I look forward to, to hearing more about uh, the labels and about gardening because <laughs> it's uh, like an area I'm, I'm always interested in. So look forward to following your journey as well. Oh, thank you. Okay, we'll talk soon. All right, bye, Bailey. Bye. I hope this episode has been balm for the soul and inspiration for the heart. I would love if you left a review to let me know your thoughts or anything you're interested in learning. And I'm so grateful that you found this space. For more information on any techniques, recipes, or ideas mentioned, visit us at baileyvantassel.com slash podcast.